May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. This morning I wanted to start our sermon off by telling you about something that is a rather recent invention, a way to celebrate in our culture and in our history, and that would be the advent of the gender reveal party. Are you familiar with these? Now, I, I didn't actually know when these parties actually came to be, but it, the, the internet says 2008, so not very old, and a number of us in here probably didn't know what gender reveal was, and maybe it was uh, our kids or grandkids that, that shared that new tradition with us. But I wanted to share with you one of the more bizarre ones that I had ever seen, as this is supposed to be, you get those people gathered that you love in your inner circle most of the time, and then there's this dramatic buildup that somebody you have trusted to go to the doctor and to find out what gender that baby's going to be and secretly come up with a way to celebrate. Typically a cake, you cut into the cake and it's pink or blue, revealing the gender of the baby and aha, everyone, the dramatic moment is comes to the crescendo and that's how you celebrate. Well, I once saw, and I have to force or you know give you a little backstory to this I had two really good friends farm kids that grew up in West Texas and they were both each other's best men in their weddings and at the bachelor party for one of these guys he did something horrendous that I'm not even going to tell you which ushered in I'm going to get you back one of these days now when that other guy came around to being married his wife-to-be went up to him and said, I know about that revenge you're going to get, and don't you dare do that at a bachelor party or my wedding. But she promised him, you can get him back somewhere down the line. Well, come, their first child is expected, is expected to come, and that revenge would happen at a gender reveal party. Which it, which it was very celebratory, but as it went, setting the stage in West Texas, both farm kids, this, and I, the great planning had to happen with this gender reveal party, they got a hold of a crop dusting plane. And they invited everybody in this inner circle for this party to go out into the middle of a farm field, no, having, nobody having any idea what was going to happen. They knew it was gender reveal, but they had no idea how that was going to take place. And they brought the bride and the groom about 200 yards from everybody else, all wondering, what in the world are we doing out here this far in the middle of nowhere? And lo and behold, out of the distance in the horizon, that crop dusting plane would come and sweep in and not just it would be blue that the powder that came out of this but it would go all over the the bride saw that what was coming and and ran the mother-to-be and the revenge was set and, you know, and he was he was he thought it was hilarious and he had blue all over him and they would celebrate a son that was on the way we are a culture that loves to celebrate and in this gospel, we just heard Father John, uh, Father John, Father Joe read to us, <laughs> like get confused, oh, ancient history there, but 
that the, what we just heard Joe read, it is not a gender reveal, but it will be a reveal that comes out of a very dramatic uh, scene, which we heard, and, and I'll tell again in just a little bit to set the stage, but we have a great reveal a revelation of who God is to us as we continue into this season of the Sundays after Epiphany. It's all about the ways God revealed himself to us. And so as the, as the drama will begin to set, we hear that, that Jesus, he is now, after his baptism, and we celebrated a couple weeks ago, he is now into the early stages of being released into his earthly ministry. Where he and the and he will call his disciples and head to the cross and to his resurrection. And last week we heard about the, the miracle of the water turning into the wine. What we have today is another of those revelations that show us and reveal to us who God was and the mission that came with him. We hear that Jesus is now going to all the synagogues as was his custom and he was a teacher and then he would expound upon the lessons of the day. And as our story this morning in Luke unfolded, he is actually in Nazareth, back in his hometown, and the attendant that takes care of the scrolls unrolled for the lesson of the day, Isaiah 61. And that would be the lesson from the prophecy that they would hear in synagogue then. And Jesus would read, and, and I quote from Isaiah 61 as he read it. And they, the people that were hearing this, the context of it, it's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61. And they have heard this hundreds of time for, for long periods of time waiting for this prophecy to come true, waiting for the Messiah to come. And as Jesus will read, he will say, quoting from Isaiah 61, the Messiah will come to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free that they may be released, to restore sight to the blind that the oppressed may go free in declaring the year of the Lord's favor. And as that dramatic build to the reveal is coming, he will roll up the scroll hand it back to the attendant, and then he will go and sit down, getting ready to preach or teach his first lesson as he is stepping into the revelation of his identity. He said, all those things you just heard that would come with the Messiah and that reading in Isaiah 61, that's me. I am he. Now, we could go into the response that we would expect for the people hearing that, but that's actually in next week's gospel. But just giving you a little foreshadowing, at first, they're in church, so they have to be respectful and remain quiet. But the significance of what Jesus just told them, that he is the fulfillment of that prophecy, the confetti cannon just went off. And his identity as the Messiah has been revealed. 
Now we look backwards to remind us of that moment when that was revealed. But it's just as profound of a message that we remember in our lives as we sit here today. Because those things that were brought forward in Isaiah 61, in our context, in this day and age, we can sit and hear it as it is read as a Messiah manifesto or a little nutshell of why he came and how he continues to work in our lives. So let's look at that Isaiah, the, the different areas of that Isaiah 61 messianic prophecy and what was fulfilled by Jesus saying, I am he. And because of this, you are granted all of these things. These are a part of my mission and why I came. The first of those was to set the captives free. And in our context today, we don't know what it's like to be taken over and ransacked by another country. But we do know what it's like to be burdened and entrapped into the bondage of sin. But with the coming of the Messiah, that brokenness in our sin nature, the price would be paid for it by the coming of this Messiah and knowing no longer being captives to sin and brokenness. From there, it went on to talk about the sight being restored to the blind. And how often when we really are honest about ourselves and that sin nature that we are set that we are no longer captives to, sometimes we can remember the shame or the that just what it comes with having sin in our lives. And with the restoring of sight to the blind in our context is that we would see ourselves the way that God sees us as his beloved and as his adopted children, and that no longer we see ourselves the way the world looks at us or the way that we look at ourselves, but we now see ourselves as the way that God sees us. From the Messiah coming, sight was restored to the blind. And then we hear that the oppressed have been set free. And what Coming from the other side of what the captives being set free, perhaps in our context, we have been in a season of our lives under a heavy legalistic, like the law has been told to us, and if we don't keep it perfectly, that we are failures, and that there is a shame that comes with that. But with the Messiah coming, ushering in this age of grace, we get to walk under that grace. And where we may feel the oppression of a legalistic approach to the way we live our faith and our life in Christ, we now get to walk in a freedom that he has done it for us and that we don't have to do it for ourselves. It's the free gift of grace. This God, the, that Isaiah lesson actually opened up with, with the coming of the Messiah, that the gospel would be brought to the poor. And of course, that is to the physically poor, but it doesn't matter how many zeros you have bet, but behind your net worth as you sit here. We all know that life can bring us to our knees in broken seasons and that no matter how much money or wealth and resource that we have, we all know what it is to be spiritually impoverished. But we hear with the coming of the Messiah, we recognize our need for something or someone larger than ourselves to rescue us. Another promise of this coming Messiah, as Jesus just said, that is me. 
And finally, we hear about the year of the Lord's favor that would actually come with the Messiah. And it would be a foreshadowing as the year of the Lord's favor is known as the year of Jubilee. And when they would come every 50 or so years for this year of Jubilee in their society, the government would actually forgive them of all their debt so they can be made clean and be restored and start in a new way. With, with these words and the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus saying, I am he, we know that that will be a foreshadowing, the year of the Lord's favor of his cross and of his resurrection, where for all of us, our debt that we couldn't pay, he took care of, and that we may walk in a new and powerful way with our identity being as children of the Most High God. Today, as it is our custom, and as we gather in this way, I would pray that you are not only encouraged by the Revelation story that happened long ago, but that the confetti cannon of celebration would go off again and revelation of what God has done and what God continues to do in your life. All thanks, praise, glory, and honor be to our Lord and Savior for what he has done and what he continues to do. Amen.